We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back here on a Monday morning here on KMBZ. If I'm not mistaken, when this New Mexico story first happened, we talked about this. It was another case of police are called to one address, they go to the wrong place, somebody ends up dead. Yeah, and I think you're right about that. We didn't have a lot of the details that are in this story because the announcement came out over the weekend that the family of the man who was killed in this interaction with police over the wrong door knock has now decided to file suit against the police department and against four of the officers individually. Um, What it all comes down to is it was as simple as that. It was a domestic violence call where officers were responding. It was late at night. The entire family in this house was asleep and they screwed up the address. They, they mixed up a five and an eight on the end of the Mm -hmm. house number. So they were on the right block, but they were at the wrong house. So, What the family are saying is, we were all asleep up on the second floor. We didn't hear anybody say, this is the police. We didn't hear anybody say anything. All we heard was somebody banging on the door. So the father in this family went downstairs, and before he went out to the front door, grabbed his own pistol off of the refrigerator, went out, opened the door. The police saw that he had a pistol. They shot him and killed him. Twelve times they hit him. What's interesting, uh, a lot of this is interesting, but body camera footage showed the officers knocking and announcing themselves several times. I guess if you're sleeping in an upstairs bedroom, maybe you're not going to hear, you're just going to hear the knocking maybe. Maybe you're not going to hear what they said. And then they debated whether they were at the right house when they didn't get a response. It's this is so interesting because they were leaving. They were they were like, yeah, we're not getting a response. We're not going to kick the door in. Let's call dispatch back and see if we're in the wrong place. So they were leaving. That's when Robert Dodson came to the door with the gun. Officers hit him 12 times and he died at the scene. Now, that wasn't the end of the story either, because right after that happened, all his wife knew was somebody's downstairs shooting. And she went down, saw her husband on the ground and started firing shots of her own toward the police. Uh, there there was, nobody was hit. Uh, she wasn't hit. None of the police officers was injured in any of this. But she had no idea. And that kind of backs up her story that they never heard them announce themselves as police. Right. But you're right. I mean, where this all started, and this is the unfathomable part about this, that we we hear this go on. Every so often, yes, people screw up. But if you can't get the address right, when, you, when you're sending police officers out there who have that charge of being able to use deadly force, make sure you get the number right. How do, how do we fix that? Um, how do we, because mistakes happen and people are human. And I don't know, um, I was looking forward to see how they got the number wrong. I thought we heard that at one point, but it's not in this version of the story that I have, and I honestly don't remember. Um, how do we, how did they get the number wrong? Was it dispatch told them wrong, or did dispatch hear it wrong? Like, who? where did that fall? Um, I have mixed feelings about this, because sometimes there is human error. 
right? Sometimes you, you know. Hit the wrong key on a keyboard. Yeah, absolutely. Or people's writing is illegible or you hear the wrong thing. You know, somebody calls in and says there's a domestic and cell phones break, break out and you don't, you don't hear it right. How do you, yeah, this is a tough one because they, they assumed they were at the wrong house because nobody answered. But regardless of the situation, if somebody aims a gun at you, but he didn't know it was police. So I don't know. I don't know where the buck stops. Yeah, he here. didn't. He didn't know it was police. And then you come back to the police thought initially that, that they, even though they were debating, hey, did we get the right house or are we at the right place? Because they didn't hear anything going on, and they were called out to a domestic violence disturbance. There, there was no disturbance where they were. All of a sudden, the guy enters the house or, or opens the door to the house rather, and he's standing there with a gun pointed at you. What the police have said is that in that instant. They they had no other choice but to respond with deadly force because there's a guy pointing a gun at you. Mm-hmm. And you also add that on top of, even though they didn't say this, I will, you add that on top of the fact that they were they thought they were there for a domestic violence dispute. When he opened the door, for all they knew, he was the one they were there to arrest. Okay, so as I look for places where this could have been done differently, um, how do you... Are, are there better ways for police to announce themselves? Are, are there louder ways? Are there are there other methods that police can let a homeowner know we are police so that somebody doesn't think there's an intruder trying to break into their house? Which is clearly what he thought. Right, right. He, he hears knocking or he hears noise, probably. He doesn't hear them announce themselves as police. Where I'm troubled with that is they were walking away. Yeah. As he as he had his gun there, but he didn't fire at them. He just had his gun that they could see. I just wonder if police had waited a couple of seconds. Now, you don't know if he's going to fire it, but give him the chance to see that you're police. And maybe this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. And get the number right. And none of this would have happened. And that's the part about it that these these no knock warrants that this wasn't, by the way. But that's where a lot of these things have gone wrong in the past is that, you know, the police will be given a no knock warrant. They get the house number wrong and they'll break into a place without, you know, they, they break the door in and announce this is the police as the door is being broken in that. Uh, you know, if you get the wrong place, then, yeah, you're not giving anybody inside there any time to react. The same way that they're saying he didn't give them any time to react because he opened the door pointing a gun at them. Well, he didn't know who was out there. So, I mean, there, there's got to be some kind of fail safe for you to be able to make sure that at the very least you're in the right place, that you're going to the right door when you respond to a call like this, I don't know. I'm looking to see if I can find that information as well about how it was that they got the number wrong. And I'm not finding it either. Uh, they I may not we have heard said. it at one point, yeah. but maybe we just, I, I, maybe I'm confusing a couple of these stories, but I thought we heard it at one point. Um, Texture says dispatch should have called back to the house to talk to the person who reported the disturbance to confirm they were at the right location. Yeah, that's confusing too, because maybe this isn't true anymore, but it used to be 911 would stay on, well, assuming you are calling about the disturbance from your house, usually 911 tries to stay on the phone with whoever calls until police get there. Maybe they were, quite frankly, maybe they were still on the phone with whoever called it in and and (laughs) dispatch is saying police should be there 
and the person on the phone is saying, I don't hear them, and they hadn't sorted that out yet. Exactly, yeah, and and how long was it? I mean, how long did it take for him to get downstairs, get the gun off the refrigerator, go over to the door and open the door? In that time, would you have time? Would the police have time when nobody answers the door the first time to radio back and say, we're not getting any response here, what's going on? Um, and, and if they're out there debating, hey, are we at the right place? Then, uh, yeah, I... I'm <laughs> How how do you not confirm before you even go up and knock the door, knock on the door? How do you not confirm already that you're at the right place? And they may have been given the wrong information more than once. It's just it's it's a hard deal. But there, there's a little more to it as well. And I'll just go through this really quickly. After the shooting took place, all three of the other family members, the wife and the kids, were placed in handcuffs and taken off for questioning. Why? Good question. They'd like to know the answer to that, too. Um, and the only thing I can think of is, oh, no, this isn't even a good answer, but, like, did police maybe assume this is the right, like, maybe this is the right house of the domestic disturbance. They were given the wrong address. Yeah. The 08 is the right one. The 05 was the wrong one. And they got it right, maybe by accident, but but they got it right. And you figure, well, I don't get the handcuffs part. Why can't you just question them there and just talk to them? Sure. But they, and they did confirm that the police department did say, although they said we don't know how long they were in cuffs, but the handcuffs were used. Somebody just asked what became of the original call at the original location. No idea. I don't know. We can we can try to find that. Someone asked why weren't there flashing lights? Uh, the only thing I can guess is that, again, I, I keep coming back to the fact that the original call was about a domestic disturbance or a domestic situation. You might not want, if, if you think you're dealing with an unpredictable person inside, you might not want them to know that you're coming. I mean, that, that happens all the time where 911 will tell the police no lights and sirens because we don't want whoever's in there to do something unpredictable. So that's not totally unusual. Yeah, and, and I'm looking up to see right now, uh, there was footage of this on the Ring doorbell camera from the family. And okay. I'm looking to see exactly how long it was between the officers arriving and knocking for the first time and when the door opened and the shots were fired. It was about two full minutes. Two minutes between when they knocked and when the shots were fired? Yes, between when they, in fact, it was a little bit more than that. It was about two minutes and 10 seconds um, between, and you see, I mean, you see him walk out the front door. You don't see his face, but you see his arm and the, and the gun. And by that point, the officers had already backed off about 10 or 15 feet away from the door, and it's dark out. So we don't know exactly what he could see. I mean, that's not always easy to tell from camera footage either. But they weren't standing right next to the door when he walked out with a gun raised. Why are you walking out your door with your gun in your hand toward the person that you think was causing trouble at your house? Why are you... Because at that point, if that guy had fired that gun, you are firing a gun at somebody who is retreating away. Yes. that's You are no longer in danger because they are... That's... They are leaving you. They are they are walking away from you. Yeah, so many mistakes made everywhere in this story, and it all starts with getting the number wrong. It just it's a, it's something that never ever ever should have happened, and yet it did because somebody screwed up somewhere. If you have thoughts here, nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. A lot of you are asking questions, understandably. Uh, if you have comments, feel free to get those in. Still to come this hour, we have a mom who did something, um, had a gesture with her son after a football game. 
And the things that she is being accused of now are just ridiculous. We'll get to this coming up here on KMBZ. Taking your calls here, uh, if you missed the beginning of this story, we talked about this when this happened. This was out of Farmington, New Mexico. You have police that were responding to a domestic violence call at 1130 at night. They were supposed to go to 5308, and instead they went to 5305. They knock on the door, they announce themselves, they don't get an answer. They wonder, maybe we're at the wrong house. So they start to go back toward their car. That's when the guy inside, the homeowner, has finally woken up and realized what's going on, Robert Dodson. So he opens his screen door armed with a handgun. That's when officers open fire because they see him with a gun. They hit him 12 times and he died. And as we said, they then his wife came out and there was more that came up after that. Now a wrongful death lawsuit's been filed. So we'll go to the phones on this. If you want to jump in, if you've got something to say about it, about how these kinds of wires get crossed, about why they were at the wrong house at the, at the, at the wrong time, and what else led up to this horrible incident where you have a 52-year-old man who's now gone because somebody made a mistake on a form. 913-586-7798, and we'll go to Debbie in Bonner up next. Hey, Debbie. Hi. Good morning, guys. Morning. Morning. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Welcome. <laughs> um, this is such a sad situation, I, all the way around mistakes, but the first thing that caught my ear was a loaded gun on top of a refrigerator with children in the house. I, did I miss you that know, detail about it being on top of the refrigerator? Yeah, he, he said he, he took it down off the fridge. Okay, right, I guess I missed that detail. Okay. Safe, you know, we've, I've heard you guys talk so often about that, and it's like, wow, first thing I thought of. Yeah, well, it's, and thank you, Debbie. Um, now, what we don't know, and I looked this up uh, just, you know, to be on the safe side and have the, the, you know, the knowledge at my fingertips, that earlier this year, uh, and this may have predated this, by the way, but uh, earlier this year, the New Mexico signed, the, the governor of New Mexico signed into law a safe storage act for firearms. But that happened in May. Uh, I'm trying to remember when this initial incident happened. It was April 5th. April. Yeah, mm-hmm. April 5th of 2023, which may explain, by the way, why it passed. <laughs> so before that, New Mexico didn't have a safe storage law. But the other thing to, to keep in mind is just because the gun was on top of the fridge doesn't mean that it was not in a lockbox. We, we just don't or know he, that. Right. The result could have been the same. It, he could have gotten it out of a safe or out of a lockbox and taken it. He had plenty of time. Officers yeah. were, were walking away. Two full minutes. Yep. I feel like the, the result would have been the same. You're right. We cringe when we hear that. And yeah, I, I found it too. Um, somebody getting the, the gun off the top of the fridge, but it could have been anywhere else in the house and the result could have been the same. Absolutely. So, so. either way, it, it was just, it was a simple mistake. That, and in simple mistakes, I guess what they all have in common is that they're all fairly simply cured mm-hmm. and nobody did. Some Somewhere somebody should have double checked something they didn't. And because of that, the police were sent to the wrong house. Yeah, um, yeah. so that makes me curious, too, um, because this complaint names the city of Farmington and the three officers. It doesn't, I don't know how the dispatch system works in Farmington, but I'm curious to know if dispatchers screwed up, if if somehow they were given the wrong information. Yeah, and if anybody was fired, my my guess is that what the that the information they got to respond to may have come over the radio, but it probably came over their computers as well, right? And would have matched. Yes. Uh, okay, we'll follow the lawsuit. See what else comes out of that one. Go to Utah for this next one. Um, 
here's your a bit of an adult content warning here because of what this mom is being accused of with her son. So it seems harmless. Uh, her son is on a high school football team. He's 16 years old. And she <laughs> goes up to hug him because they win the game to celebrate. And there's one... <laughs> One thing that she does that got people's attention that's taken this off the rails. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because this has gone so far off the rails that it's not even funny. Yeah, what she did is, is she ran up to him. Now, her son is 16 years old, but he's also a high school football player, which means mm -hmm. I'm just looking at the picture. He's got to be a foot taller than her. Um, and, and so and she's she's very small and he's real, real big. So she runs up to him after the game and jumps into his arms. So, you know, she wants to give him a big hug, she, but she jumps into his arms and she's she's got her knees at his side. She's off the ground completely. She's just so overtaken with this that she's got her arms around his neck and she's hugging him. And that's all. But now the Internet has decided that she's probably uh, sexually abusing him, which is insane. The, the clip has been viewed more than nine million times online. I'm going to point out a couple things about um, that that I assume is feeding this a little bit. She is 38. He is 16. So from the back, she look. I mean, she's blonde. She's fit. I mean, she looks young. Yep from the back. If you didn't know this was his mom, you would think this is his girlfriend based on how this looks. Um, I assume, I assume that's, that's some of it. Um, there's so much backstory to this too. Like his, he had lost his dad a couple of years before this. He was wearing the number 44 in honor of his dad. I mean, there was so much to this, but people who don't know the context and don't care, look at this and say, she's abusing her son. <laughs> <laughs> How do we get from, um, cause I get it a little bit. We've talked about this before, like in tennis where the coach that kissed the, the player a little too much. Some people thought, but this, if you had seen this happen, you would think nothing of this. No mom runs into the son's arms and he picks her up and he's, he's just so happy. Yeah, and then she gets down and, you know, continues to congratulate him after the win. I mean, if you've ever been to a high, high school football game, you've probably seen this happen. Yeah. This is, I, I didn't look at this and go, well, that's a little weird and out of bounds. No, it's perfectly fine. And it, in places where they take their high school football seriously, I'm looking at you, Texas, this kind of thing is not in any way rare. But go figure, people would look at something they saw on the internet, take it completely out of context, and go off about it. Wow, that never happens. People are awful. Here's yeah. some of the things that they wrote. Um, it's the fact that it appears that you're straddling your son. Uh, no. You're also dressed pretty sexy for a high school football game. <laughs> Who the heck gets to judge that? Uh-huh. Okay, let me explain that one because I know exactly where that one's coming from. Me too. That's, but... Yeah, that's coming from a bunch of people who are either jealous of her because they wish they looked like her or people that are jealous of her because they wanted to hug her like that and she doesn't want to. So, yeah, uh, there, there's nothing but jealousy involved in that. Hey, you dress sexy for a football game. She's wearing jeans and a top. I wonder how many of his friends are allowed to stay over. My son wouldn't be allowed for sleepovers at their house. I, I, I wow. just, I can't even sometimes. Um, so the son 
confronted it head on and said, how about you leave my mom alone? You can imagine him having to write this. She's never abused me or done anything sexual to with me and my friends or groomed me as she was accused of. She's my mom and she's my hero. And the video of us hugging was a hug. Go bother someone else and maybe hug your own kids. Yeah. Uh, no kidding. And that's, I, I mean, I think there's an element of that in there too. I mean, if you look at that, if you look at a mother hugging her son and think sex you're the problem. Right. There's something right. wrong with you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, boy, some of the some of the language we have to get to a break, but some of the language that people were willing to use for this and and the analogies that they were mil- willing to make here are I just wow. Yeah. Um, if you want to check that out, uh, you can definitely find it online and, and see what the comments are. 913-586-7798. Uh, if you want to get in here, uh, still to come. Okay. We go back to football a little bit. Uh, should the Rams coach face a punishment for something that happened? Uh, we'll get to this coming up next year on KMBZ. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out of market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Phone number 913-586-7798. Okay, we go to football here for a bit. Yeah, <laughs> this is a tough one, but it, but it really kind of isn't. And I'm curious what our very own Colin, who runs the controls on the broadcast, thinks about this one as well. Because there was a game that happened over the weekend between the San Francisco 49ers and the uh, Los Angeles Rams. I always have to think about, okay, where are the Rams this week? That's right, they're back in L.A. So what happened was, toward the end of the game, the Rams were down by 10 points. And they, I mean, the time was running out on them. They got down to the very last few seconds of the game and they did something kind of curious. They kicked a field goal. Now the field goal was successful, but if it's the last few seconds of the game and you're down by 10, kicking a field goal does nothing. I mean, it's not going to win you the game and, and there's no time left for you to do anything else like an onside kick or some kind of miracle finish. So people started scratching their heads a little bit going, why did he bother to kick a field goal? What's the point of that? And then somebody pointed out, hey, uh, you know, San Francisco was favored in that game by seven and a half points. So if he hadn't kicked the field goal, then betters who bet on the 49ers would have won. But because the coach decided to kick the field goal, a meaningless field goal at the end of the game, that brought L.A. to within seven. They lost the game by seven points, meaning that they covered the spread. So betters who bet on San Francisco didn't win. Betters who bet on the Rams won. And that has opened the door to a firestorm of controversy because the last thing that anybody on the field is supposed to be concerned about is what happens to betters. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's supposed to go the other way. It's supposed to have no Uh, It's called point shaving. There are actually rules against that, by the way. Um, It's supposed to have no bearing. What what the betting line is and all of that stuff is supposed to not affect gameplay in any way. And the ideal is that if you're down by 10 points, you try to score the touchdown. You, you, You do everything you can to score. 
but kicking a field goal with a couple of seconds left on the clock is losing the game on purpose and it's it's shaving points off of the point spread so I don't know that the NFL is somebody just texted in. Yeah, I lost money. I'm sorry to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and, and by the way, for full disclosure, I would tell you if I had money on that game, I didn't. Uh, I don't bet much on football, and usually the Rams and the Niners are the last ones that are going to see any of my money. So I, I had I have no dog in this fight, but uh, at least from a monetary standpoint. But in order to protect the integrity of the game. I think some really serious questions have to be asked about why Sean McVay, the coach of, of the Rams, decided to go and and kick that field goal at the end to bring a game closer but ensure that you had absolutely no chance of being able to win. Let's see if I can answer some of this for you. So first, <laughs> I think it's multifactored. Let's take a look at Sean McVay. If there were a coach in the NFL that I would rank on a list of who would rig a game or try and shade points or something like that. Sean McVay is going to be to the bottom of the list. Why? He is one of the most football savvy minds I think the game has ever seen. I'll get to that here in a second. Okay. All right. Fair enough. He has a photogenic memory. He can recall games from years, years when he was a kid growing up all throughout. He's done it in press conferences. They'll ask him, you know, what play did you run? In the second quarter of week three, when there was eight minutes left on the clock, and he'll say, oh, we did this, 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 we lined up in this, the defense did this, and then, oh, we got this many yards, this is who the ball was thrown to, and this is what happened. Okay. Incredible football mind, which is where, I'll get to my next thing here, where if you are down two scores, right, 10 points, it's a little different than being down two touchdowns, that's 14 points. Agreed, Mm -hmm. right? Down 10 points, okay, They had about a minute and a half left in the game. I think when they started this drive, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. I watched it. I listened to the press conference. We'll get to that. If you're down 10 points, they get the ball to the 20. I think it was like a 34, 37, 38-yard field goal. It was not a real long field goal. Not a long field goal. They go to clock the ball. He catches the ball with about 10, 11 seconds left on the clock. You got to hurry up, get under the ball, spike it so it stops the clock. In McVeigh's mind, and I think in the mind of all the football people here, you clock that ball with more time left on the clock, right? In doing that, you're not going to be able to throw a Hail Mary. And this is to your point about going for the touchdown, okay? If you go for the Hail Mary, you're going to run out the clock, game's over. You have no 0% chance to win. Okay. If you kick the field goal, however, and you leave one to two seconds, three seconds left on that clock, You're now down a touchdown. You allow yourself to kick an onside kick to try and get the ball back and then throw the Hail Mary. Because an onside kick wouldn't necessarily run any time off. Exactly. You're going to have to get 10 points no matter what. It's just in the order that you get the points is how it matters. Because even if they did throw a Hail Mary... They'd have to go for an onside kick anyways, and, not, and then they'd have to kick a field goal. And, and here's where I have to admit, I was not watching the game. All I was going by was news reports. Was there time left on the clock after the field goal? No, there was not. There was not. So it ran out the clock anyway. Exactly, which if the team hustles a little harder, if they get to the ball a little faster, which I think in McVeigh's mind, he would ideally that's what he would have wanted to happen, is to have the team get to the ball a little faster, clock it with more than four seconds, you kick that field goal, you get a second or two on the clock, 
you kick the onside kick, you go for the Hail Mary, just in a different order. But at that point, when there's only four seconds left to go, and you know that regardless what you do, whether you you know toss one into the end zone or try for the field goal, it's still going to run the clock out. Why do you do it? Why do you kick? Practice points. <laughs> I mean, at that point, trot okay. your kicker out there. Uh-huh. Let's look at this, because it was on the right hash. They have... A right-footed kicker. That's a hard kick for a right-footed kicker. Because he's got to pull it he's back. he's got to pull it across yeah. his body. Plus, once you get to playoff time, points matter a little bit, right? And I think a box score would look a little bit better in McVeigh's mind as well, saying, oh, we lost by seven instead of losing by ten on the surface, right? Without watching the game and seeing actually what happened. I don't think it was as close as the score indicated i think the rams struggled they had a really good rookie receiver play but other than that i think the 49ers kind of dominated things this whole game but you don't you don't think this looks bad you don't think this looks funny this looks like football okay all right (laughs) as as the coach as the guy i mean the quote-unquote guys that does this for a living right this looks like football to me okay all right and i yeah i mean that's you're you're absolutely right which is why i brought you into the conversation so this is something that you're you're about and i can kind of see that i mean you're sure you could have him practice kicks in practice but in a game situation things are a little bit different i just i mean right now you've got to imagine there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who bet on san francisco to win that game who are hot over this because they lost money uh i just i i I wanted to put it out there and say, do, you know, do you believe that that the, that the betting line in this game had no bearing on Sean McVay's decision? I so I have questions, um, and maybe this is legal too. But would they have known? I mean, in making that decision, not officially, but like, do they know kind of where the betting is on the game? in order to take that into account? That's a good question. I I mean, they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to pay any attention to it. Uh, But but do players know? Does the coach know? Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I even before I ever placed a bet, and I've—I mean, the, the number of bets I've placed on football in my life, I could count mm-hmm. on both hands. Okay, it's—it's—I'm it, not that guy. But even before I ever thought about placing a bet on football, I would always look at the latest line every week just to see who was favored, you know, who was expected to win, and who was expected to lose, just to kind of keep track of it all. So it wouldn't surprise me. Okay, so let's say they do know or they have a sense of it. Mm -hmm. Is there motivation to call that play one way or another so that the betting goes one way or another? You know what I mean? Not if you don't have a vested interest. If you don't have money on the game, it does does nothing for you. I have your thoughts on this, 913-586-7798, especially as we have legal betting here on one side and they're working to get it more on the other side of the state line. So... Um, it's, it's the thing that comes to mind is, yeah, you don't want to teach to the test, so to speak. Like right, you don't want right. them to be calling plays just because you know how the money's going to go. Yeah. And, and for all we know, Colin's right. And it had no bearing on Sean McVay's decision at all. Uh, but it, when, when you have the line, I mean, when it, when it makes a half a point's worth of difference in the line and changes who ends up winning the money, you know, based on that game, but doesn't change the outcome of the game, it's always going to raise questions about why exactly did you do that? And I mean, it, it's as serious as this. Pete Rose is banned from baseball, banned from the Hall of Fame, banned from having anything to do with Major League Baseball forever because mm-hmm. of an allegation that he bet on his own team. It, they take it that seriously. So I think even if the NFL comes out and clears this entirely, I would I would bet, pardon the use of the term, that they're going to look into this. 
Yeah, if you uh, if you have thoughts here, nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. Speaking of the NFL, uh, we have somebody who a ref who was mic'd up, and <laughs> yeah. and we get some insight into what's going on in the field. We'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ. All right, it's always fun when we get a little behind the scenes. Uh, we appreciate a good open mic. Especially given what we do every day. Yep. This one's pretty good. Definitely. Yeah, uh, this one came out of another football game, the Seattle Seahawks. And this this is not a football story. So if you're going, why do they keep talking about sports? It has nothing to do with football. It's just a great moment because every so often uh, this will happen where you have the, the referee walk over and he's about to explain a penalty call to those of us who are watching the game, either at the stadium or at home. And they open up the microphone and they say, uh, it was intentional grounding, number eight, five yards from the line of scrimmage. And while they're explaining all of that, the player will come over to argue his case because they do that a lot, too. You've, you've seen it happen uh, where they'll argue their case to the ref and say it wasn't grounding. There was a guy in the area. Well, that's exactly what happened during yesterday's Seahawks game. And we've got the audio of how the ref dealt with it when Seahawks quarterback Geno Smith came over and started to argue a call that he was making. Intentional grounding. grounding. Offense number seven. It's a 10-yard penalty. I'm talking to America here. Excuse me. It's a 10-yard penalty and a loss of down. Second down. Now, if you missed that because the crowd was was in the middle uh-huh. of roaring at the time, what the ref said was, I'm talking to America here, okay? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which was great. I mean, the ref, the the announcers on that game were absolutely right. That was fantastic. Um, How how did we get the audio out of this? Did they just that, release that it? Was, no, that was on TV. That was okay. you know, from the TV broadcast of the game because they when, when they call a penalty like that, they announce it, and we usually hear those announcements. Got it. Okay. Um... <laughs> I'm talking to America here. Hey, give me a minute, will you? Talking to America. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. I mean, you I, the, know, yeah, you are, but. The penalty stood, by the way. So all Geno Smith's protestations amounted to absolutely nothing. But, they, were, won, but they won the game. Sorry, they won the game. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah, matter. that's true. On the theme of football, that wasn't the plan for the day necessarily, <laughs> and it's not on purpose. It's just there are non-football stories that are coming up in football games today. And this one's out of Birmingham, Alabama. And when I read the first line of the story, I thought, what was he arrested for? (laughs) And you got to get really deep into the story to find out what qualifies here. This is one of the more bizarre stories of the day. So there was a football game going on and you have a high school band that plays at those games. And so there was a victory. Minor high school won against P.D. Jackson Olin High School. And so officers start clearing out the stadium because the game is over. Both schools' bands are still playing. I don't know how how long they normally play, but they're both playing. So officers went up to both schools' band directors and said, we need you to stop because attendees think they can still sit here and listen. We need everybody out, so we need you to stop playing so they get the point. So the home band stopped, but the band for the other one, for minor high school, wouldn't stop his kids from playing (laughs) and the band director ended up arrested for it he even tried to get away at one point i mean they they walked they went went up to the band director here's how crazy it got officers accompanied by school security guards went to arrest him for disorderly conduct conduct rather but got into a scuffle with the band director he tried to get away he refused to place his hands behind his back shoved a police officer and they ended up having to tase him So ordinarily, I would ask, what's the (laughs) substance involved here? Colin? But I'm assuming not. 
given that this is high school band on a Friday night. I just, I am as surprised as you are because I'm, I've mentioned before, my son played high school football. We've been to a zillion high school football games over the years. I don't remember the band ever playing anything after the game was over. It's like, okay, we're done. Let's all go home. Well, yeah, doesn't everybody want to get out of there? Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to go home. Game's it, over. It almost sounds like, the, I mean, because both bands were playing at the end of the game, were the band directors, like, competing with each other? Was it, oh, yeah, you're going to play that song? <laughs> we're going to play our school fight song even louder, buddy. I love it. And I love that he was arrested for disorderly conduct. Did they- Harassment and resisting arrest. Yeah. Did, do they normally play after the game, Colin? Is, um, is that a thing that at happens? Least it, at the school that I work at, yeah, they play the alma mater after okay, every game. Like yeah. one song, and then you're done and everybody goes home. Right, yeah. <laughs> they had to tase him to get his band to stop playing. So I initially thought that they were playing during the game. I didn't realize that this was after. It was after the game. Everything yeah. was over, because that changes my whole perspective on the whole situation yeah if it's after the game i have no idea what happened here yeah what are you doing guy i mean it's not the titanic you're you're not like playing <laughs> until the, the until the ship goes down and you know trying to comfort all of the passengers it's a football game it's already over your team won play your alma mater and go home so internal affairs for the police department's looking into this now this is becoming a much bigger thing because of the use of force by the officer during the arrest because <laughs> they tased the band director because he didn't want to let his band stop playing i would oh. love to know what his reason was yeah. what reason yeah. did he give for not wanting the band to stop I, you can almost see his appearance on the local morning news the next day right he's like i stood up for our boys <laughs> i was out there playing and these kids are playing their hearts out and what do they do they tased me to the ground band rage somebody just said yeah band rage. yes very nice okay and then to wrap things up here uh house digest had this next story I'm not going to do this, uh-huh. but you go right ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, that was going to be my first question is now that you know this is the case, is this something you're ever, ever going to do? And by the way, spoiler, this has nothing to do with football. I saw this and, and was immediately confused by the headline. And I'll read you just the headline. Mm-hmm. The headline is what you should throw a clove. Uh, or I'm sorry. Why you should throw a clove of garlic into your toilet at night. Now, I've heard of plenty of home hacks and cleaning mm-hmm. gadgets and things like that over the years. I think we all have. Yeah. But I have never heard a single person ever in the history of, of ever tell me that it was a good idea to throw a clove of garlic into your toilet bowl every night. And it's just because garlic has its own aroma that is going to be stronger in theory than <laughs> what's already coming out of your bathroom. <laughs> and so they say... It neutralizes, everything comes together to neutralize odors. They say the aroma comes from something called allicin or allicin. Yep. And so it leaves your bathroom smelling much fresher by morning. Because this allicin stuff, and it's A-L-L-I-C-I-N. I I think I got that right. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. And they said it has antibacterial and antifungal properties, which may very well be true. But it's not the only thing in the world that has antibacterial and antifungal properties. It is the only thing in the world that smells like garlic. But it's a better headline to say, (laughs) throw the garlic clove in your toilet. That's true. Instead of getting some kind of like blue 
Those blue things that you hang in your tank, uh -huh. like, wouldn't that work too? You would think, in theory, yeah, that, that is why those are there. Um, but every single night, I mean, how much garlic are you going to go through? I was a little disappointed that the reason wasn't toilet vampires, but uh, apparently those have nothing to do with it either. And they said it's a cost-effective and natural way to keep your bathroom smelling fresh. How does it not make your bathroom smell like garlic? Which, by the way, what? is not a fresh smell. And it doesn't say it doesn't. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. This is where I wonder about chemistry that I don't understand. Uh huh. Is it possible that the Allison mixes with whatever else is in your bathroom and it kills the garlic smell too? Boy, I hope so. Because if I walk into the if I walk into the bathroom in the morning and stumble in there after a good night's sleep and I really need to brush my teeth and I'm just now waking up and I'm all logy and stuff and I walk in and the whole bathroom smells like garlic, I'm walking back out. Yeah. Um. Again, I, I'm like you. I like the life hacks. Uh-huh. I'm not making this a part of my evening routine. Not doing the, uh, the old garlic toilet thing? No. I, <laughs> I think I'll, I'll either leave it or find something else. Maybe I'll confuse people by throwing tea bags in the toilet tank. There you go. All right. We'll take a break here. Coming up, cereal. Uh, always been really expensive. And maybe going out a little bit. People aren't using it as much. We'll get to that coming up here on KMBZ. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.